Welcome back to another episode of the College Football Uncensored Podcast, brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me as always, my co-host, uh, always on time and, and chipper, Chris Muller. I said, first off, I have not felt well today, and I wanted to start at 9 o'clock until I was like, no, you made a graphic and four people reacted to it, so we got to do it at 8.30. we got to be men of our word, which I've never been. Well, that's, that's just a lot about you, not about me. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, we're actually going to so, football this week. Well, we, we it's getting down to it now. Chris, I did something that you did uh, a few weeks ago. Picked up this guy. You just, oh, there you go. So very excited about that. Started reading it. Um, Jeff Sims on the cover from Georgia Tech was, was interesting. Mm. Um, but uh, all right, so William Gray, he's in here in the chat. So glad he, he made it for this. So, uh, First off, you should be glad you made it for this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> also, I've not responded to any of his DMs about... There's a stat that he threw out there that's pretty interesting about um, there's not an active coach, I think, from the SC East that has, lo- that has beaten Kirby. Maybe it's the SEC from outside of Saban. I don't know. He, he could probably put it in the comments, but um, I'm sure it's not real because <laughs> outside of our own company on uh, publication that posted today that Kirby smart is the best coach in the sec. Oh, what do you think? I, I mean, don't think he's undefeated. Um, so yeah, we wanted to get into a little bit. We've got obviously live up here to my right. We've got the Arkansas Ole Miss game. Last I saw it was six to three Ole Miss. Is that still the case? Mm-hmm. It is six to three. So uh, looking to see who's going to be advancing here. Obviously, A and M and Auburn both survived their elimination games in the College World Series. Um, but like you said, we want to start talking a little bit football. I think you guys want that as well, considering we are a football podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into it, Chris, what did you do this weekend? Well, it's Father's Day, which is a big, big holiday for me. Um, so I actually just I did some packing and started tidying up the, the place since I'm moving out in like a month and um, made a trip to Goodwill. Nice. Like almost. It was closed, um, but still have the clothes in the trunk, which is probably where they were going to be anyway. So for like several months. But uh, yeah, just some spring cleaning. And that's about it. Also, I forgot to give a shout out to Dan last week because he gave us tickets to the suite to go to the Braves game. And I just completely glossed over that. Oh, when I asked you what you did, you're like, oh, nothing big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did He did give us some feedback on that afterwards as he was editing. Um, well, that's good, man. So moving out of the place, where, where are you where, where are you moving there? We're buddy? not getting into this tonight. We just, <laughs> what did you do this weekend? Uh, let's see. Saturday, took my kids to the pool. Um, Saturday night, went to a concert here in Alpharetta, Marin Morris, for my lovely wife. As I like to say, it was a Father's Day weekend, entailing something that she really wanted to do. <laughs> so, uh, no, but it was fun. We were up in the lawn up at the Maris Amphitheater in Alpharetta, and then my coworker was there and was like, hey, you guys want to come to this uh, VIP box down here? Sure, yeah, why not? Always. So, got a little lucky there and had a little date night with the wife. Then Father's Day, of course, got to hang out with the kids. Um, also celebrated with my family, my sister's birthday, which is today. So happy birthday, sister. Now she listens. Um, and uh, my son turns one this next weekend. So we celebrate a little bit with my family there, too. There's a lot of stuff that just overshadowed Father's Day, huh? Yeah, it wasn't so much about me as much as it was everybody else. So that's okay, you know yeah. you le- you'll learn that one one day when you become a father. I'm not gonna have a I'm not gonna have kids. <laughs> okay, well, I can't get pregnant. So that's true. Well, I don't know. Yeah, you never know. Science though, twenty twenty two. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um. So yeah, action packed. U.S. Open was great. Did you did you t- do you watch golf at all? Or no, not really. Okay, so I'll watch like the Masters. I'll watch like the British Open if I'm still up from the night before. Right. And then, like, so I didn't realize it was the U.S. Open until, like, Thursday or, like, Wednesday night. Um, but, no, I didn't watch any of it because I was watching the, the College World Series. Yeah. Uh, William says, 
he he couldn't think of one active head coach in the SEC that has beaten Kirby other than Saban. I mean, they don't play in um, Stephen. Like, yeah, he's probably right. Well, there's been so many new head coaches. Think about how many new head coaches there are. Yeah, that's. I mean, well, there were none last year, right? Not, there was no new head coaches. Well, it was like, but like you know, so Pittman, Kiffin, mm-hmm. Leach, Harson. We're all they're all within the last two three years at those yeah. schools. Um, the Jimbo, I guess, have they played? Yeah, they played right. This is your five for him. They played one game. It was at Georgia in the rain. And then obviously, no, I'm sure nobody in the SEC is now that Mullen's gone. So yeah, yeah. I guess that's, that probably is correct. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, it sounds like they did uh, beat AM and Athens. So pretty cool stat. Um, Hey, maybe when Saban's gone, you know. Can we just, you know what? I'm just, I'm, I'm frustrated that we didn't start at nine, and I'm just gonna get this off my chest. And I don't think our boss is watching. And it's, it's, I just, we're just gonna be objective journalists here. The fact that somebody at our place of work put out an actual article saying that Kirby Smart is now the best coach in the country, I just, I, I just, it sometimes just blows my mind that we're, we're still in business here. <laughs> I just no nah, the the takes got to the the takes got to flow you know this it's the same days. guy with the takes it's just bald Skip Bayless Matt Hayes just throwing out <laughs> all sorts of shit whatever sticks to the wall or doesn't I guess um well uh yeah we'll see I mean I, I didn't read the the article but if uh if the headline was that maybe he goes in later saying since Saban if you had to take one moving forward for the next ten years. Maybe right. Could, you could argue that he didn't, but yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> um, well, we wanted to talk some, uh, some actual football this week. So we got a little inspired um, because we were starting to look at the beginning of the season, um, yeah. which is literally, uh, what is it? About two and a half it was months. 69 away? days yesterday. Which means it's 68 today. Yeah. Not as cool, but yeah. Yeah, um, and we started looking at some of these early uh, non-conference games um, early in the season, and there's some really good ones. So we wanted to kind of go through a list, quickly talk about them. I don't know if you have any of the opening lines uh, for any of these games. Of course, but, I do. But let's all right. Well, so let's uh, let's pull some of those up, and um, I guess week zero is always. You know, there's there's all these just random ass games in week zero that yeah. usually don't make sense. Although there was Miami, Florida a couple years ago. Um, so we'll start, I guess, in the official week one. Uh, starts in the SEC, Georgia versus uh, Oregon and Atlanta is the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super interested in this game for a couple reasons. So obviously you got Dan Landing going out to Oregon. Right. You got obviously Kirby uh, is kind of his mentor, I guess. Um, this is Georgia's first game coming off a national title. Um, they lost 15 players to the NFL draft last year. So yeah. to start a season they didn't right off the bat. They one the transfer portal, right? No, they did. Like before the spring game, they hadn't lost a single player. Well. One was positive. Georgia? I mean, Georgia obviously. The only team in the SEC that hadn't lost a single person going into the spring game. Jermaine Burton? That was, oh yeah, damn it! That's <laughs> Willie gave me that stat. That's Willie's fault. <laughs> Willie. Um, so so you've got um, you've got that aspect. So you're gonna you're gonna be breaking in a lot of new players. Now they're very talented players, obviously, but you're gonna right. be breaking in some pl- some players. Conversely, with Oregon, you've got Mario Cristobal. As much as I'm probably gonna try to hate on him, even though he's probably about to start running recruiting down in yeah. South Florida, he did a great job of building a really talented roster down or out in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, he built the defense really strongly. O-line's always going to be a strength under him, and it's no different right. at Oregon. Um, they've got a really good linebacker core. Uh, the, o- the O-line may be the best in the country, depending on you know what you look at. The Lindy's has them way up there. Um, yeah. Big thing is quarterback for Oregon. I mean, if it's Bo Nix, do, really, <laughs> do you really feel great about what? that? I mean... Well, I mean, he, like... I don't think he goes to Oregon without thinking he's going to start. Well, and he played for the offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham. He was at uh, yeah. Auburn for a year with Knicks. His freshman um, year, yeah. So, 
And that, I mean, I guess arguably was his best year. I don't think you could even use that that word to describe any of his years. <laughs> um, I mean, he like his freshman year, he was just like it is like he was like so predictably unpredictable. I guess like he was going to go fucking fifty percent completion percentage. He was going to make like one ridiculous play every game, and he's going to make at least three ridiculously. He was like Reggie Ball with like more acne. He was a, he was a more pimple faced Reggie Ball. <laughs> Reggie Ball, man, that's a what a name. Um, but uh, so that should be really interesting. It's in Atlanta, so you you, you got to think it's going to be eighty twenty Georgia fans. So it's basically going to be a home game. I don't know that Oregon fans travel or care that much about football, but right. maybe they do. Um, do you know the uh, the early line on that game? Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty surprising too. So I looked all this up on DraftKings um, Sportsbook. They've got all the game of the year lines out already, and also all the first week lines uh, out as well. So the hold on, where to go here? Georgia is a seventeen point favorite against Oregon. Seventeen. Wow. I don't feel like that's um, like even high enough. Yeah, I mean, what's funny about Oregon is I think I don't know. Like when you think about last year, um, do you what do you like? What are your memories of Oregon? Because they were pretty good. I mean, they beat Ohio State at Ohio State. Yeah. But then, it, but then it was like, what they still didn't win the Pac-12. They got drubbed by Utah twice. Twice, which is tough to do. Like, yeah. I mean, and also. Yeah, I mean, like, like they peaked early, I think, like you said, like at, at Ohio State, which we all love to see. Um, I, I don't know what all they have returning. Like, you lose Panay Sewell to the draft the year before, right? You still have one of the best offensive lines. The thing that Cristobal did at Oregon, that, that like, as much success as they've had under Chip Kelly and, like, with Mariota and other guys like that, they would never recruited nationally like they, they did under Cristobal. Um, they were, like – really able to like get that done and also still own a lot of like Northern California and like some of like the Pfizer's out of that state, like Justin, what's this like Justin Florence or Flo, the linebacker. Um, I, I just don't see them being able to compete in any sort of way with Georgia. It, like, and, and that's not any, even like a, a, you know, detriment to like anything like with their success this season. It's just that Georgia's going to be that good and it's in their backyard and they're they're more talented. Like you talk about all the people they lost to the draft. They're more talented on offense somehow. Like, it, and it's by a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would especially think you know at receiver and tight end. I mean, <sighs> it's gonna be it's gonna be disgusting. Well, and think about this real quick. You, like, it, I get the tight end position because you have like this influx of like former not just five stars but like elite all time generational type recruits with like Eric Gilbert. But the fact that you're going to be better at receiver, right? Like it, you lost you lost George Pickens, who's a five star. Like I, I know he was hurt, like you know, going into his last year. But and you also lost Jermaine Burton, and you're going to be better at that position. And I don't I don't think it's even in question. Yeah, I I, I no, I totally agree. That I think the offense is going to be until the the defense has time to gel, considering they lost pretty much the entire starting nine or um i think the offense is gonna have to carry the load like especially in a game like this where um you know the defense may just take time that that defense it's almost like any defense that comes after that one is just gonna be disappointing to the to the fan base you know because you can't get better than what you did last year now you you have players that are obviously very good but just the the cohesion mixed with the talent last year i think is gonna be very hard to replicate Ever, if not, you know, especially early in the year, this this coming right. year, which is why I think this game could at least be somewhat interesting. Um, Oregon did, you know, geez, USC is ridiculous, by the way. So Oregon, um, the running back, Die Travis Die, who was like, you know, he had thirteen hundred yards last year, sixteen touchdowns. He transferred to USC. Of course, he did. Yeah, that makes sense. So. Um, I, I hold on, but go back real quick. Like you talk about, like the the defense having to catch up. I mean, I, I feel like we're forgetting the fact that, like, that defense is going to be coached and have, like, the most attention focused on, like, from Kirby, right? Like, he's a defensive first yeah. coach. Kirby's not out there calling plays. Like, I, I mean, if he was, he probably wouldn't have had Stetson Bennett be the quarterback for these last few years. We're not going to get into it. But, like, you talk about how it, it would, it's going to be a drop-off. It, it will be a drop-off because 
of like the the staggering numbers they put up this year, right? Yeah. But it's still a defense that was the number one scoring defense in the country two years ago, and they ranked in the top 20 of the year before, and, and that was when they were like decimated with injuries. So I know they lost like a ton of talent and more than they ever have, um, more than anyone has, obviously, to the draft because it's set a record. But it, you still have Jalen Carter, who's possibly the best NFL prospect um, from that group last year. You still have Nolan Smith, who was the number one overall player in the country coming to high school, that like really showed out in the in the playoffs. I don't think they're like Keely Ringo is going to be a top fifteen pick. I don't really see them struggling on defense because I don't think Kirby will let them. Yeah, struggling is probably not the word. It's just more so. It's not going to be. It's not going to look like it did last year at at at, at first, especially. Um, yeah. Just because you you're going to have to have this is the first time you're playing a different team and. You know, now like you don't, you're not playing the same offense you play every day. So it'll just be interesting. I mean, I, I could be, they could shut out Oregon to, in the first game and I could just be totally wrong. But um, I mean, 17 points is, is heavy, especially coming off that, that title last year. I'd love to know. And, you know, it'll be fun when we get into the individual team previews uh, closer to camp, um, what people are hearing in camp about kind of, just the attitude and the mindset around this new team, right. That Georgia's got going to run out there next year. Cause every, every year is a new team, right. I mean, it's right. completely different people oftentimes. And so, um, you know, you, you lose a lot of leaders. Um, it'll just be interesting. You know, I, that's all I'll say. I see. I don't think like, I know it's like complacency is obviously like an issue at a lot of places. We're in like foreign territory right now because we've never, been in this position since we've been alive, like Georgia being defending national champs. I just don't see like, especially that fan base. I don't see them resting on any laurels uh, going into next season. Like, I feel like, you know, like the hype will be kind of the same. And I brought this up a couple of weeks ago and, and it sounds crazy, but like there's, they're almost flying under the radar at, at three in the preseason polls, which is like, they have an easier path to go undefeated than any other team in the top five, top 10. I, I mean, like, and really, we never gave Munkin enough credit what he did on offense. I think they're going to be – they're not going to be a better team because of how good that defense was last year, but they might be a more balanced, better team, if that makes sense, like on both sides of the ball. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, so early, it sounds like you you would probably take Georgia minus 17 there. <clears throat> yeah, in a heartbeat. Probably safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, we could let's jump outside the SEC real fast. Uh, same day, Notre Dame at Ohio State. This one's really intriguing to me as well. Um, yeah, I feel like this is like a family reunion of mine because it's just a giant collection of assholes that are going to be in that stadium. <laughs> uh, Ohio State probably has a top two or three roster in the country. Um, yeah. They bring back CJ Stroud. Uh, they do lose Olave and uh, Garrett Wilson, but they bring back. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's going to be one of the top receivers in the country. Travion yeah. Henderson comes back as well, who is probably going to be in the mix for a Heisman at some point before he leaves Ohio State. Um, last year, their defense was kind of the issue for them. They bring in the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, Jim Knowles, mm -hmm. who Oklahoma State had a really good defense. And it wasn't just like yeah. good for the Big 12 defense. It was a really good defense last year. Um They'll be preseason probably top two. I, my would be my guess. It's, yeah, they're number two everywhere. Yeah. Part. So you've you've got a loaded team. It's at home. Um, I think Marcus Freeman's going to end up being a really good hire for Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, Did you see all the shit that happened with him this weekend though? Where he was like, no. Oh God. So like apparently he made some comments like where Ohio State fans felt like he was like going after them and and trying to like make didn't you play there. Yeah, for five years. So he like made some comment about like how like at Notre Dame, like, you know, we, we have to make sure all of our, our uh, kids are in class. Like yeah. at Ohio State, you could just like, I forgot exactly what the quote was, but it was something like basically alluding to the fact that you don't have to go to class. Like you have somebody do that for you. They, they just like yeah, check course. in when you check in. And then one of the greatest self-owns, I think, ever in Twitter history, somebody responded was like, I literally wrote Marcus Freeman a paper his senior year. It was like, so he was yeah. right. This is just spot on. <laughs> like, um, I don't think what you're saying. It means what you think it is. Yeah. Uh, so that's like added a lot of, I guess, fuel to the fire on this. He came out and, and kind of walked back his comments uh, like the following day or two. Um, Ohio State's a 14 and a half point favorite. I, I think you're right about Notre Dame. I, like, I don't know if they're 
I mean, they were really good under Brian Kelly, man. We just yeah never wanted to admit it because they got their they got skull dragged every time they were in the playoff. Right, because part of what he's saying, by the way, is true. Like they've uh, they've consistently over time had much harder job getting in players who maybe necessarily didn't have the greatest academic background um, as yeah, compared Rudy. to schools in the South or anything like that. You know, it's just I, I think that's pretty common knowledge. So I know what he's saying there. Um, so that's why they always get their asses kicked every time they play somebody that's got, you oh, know, that's SEC why, yeah. talented. Um, you have a quarterback like Brady Quinn at the helm. Like that's, that's your own fault. You know, that's like your Twitter bay, right? You're the worst. Um, they bring back a really talented squad. They also, by the way, I don't know if you saw, they landed a five-star QB for next cycle. Who is Lloyd Carr's Dude. grandson. Yeah. They, I mean, they are like loading up, uh, this year and next. I think they're ranked number one right now. Crazy. So, I mean, Marcus Freeman, very charismatic dude. He's 36 years old. Um, really? He's gonna have a, dude. Yeah. And he's got like 17 kids. I don't know if you saw what? that picture of him. Yeah. When you, when you I don't, it was more like five, I think, but still, it was, it, it was a lot for a 36 year old. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's fair. Uh, but they're going to have a lot of continuity from last year. I mean, they lose Kelly, but you bring back the same Tommy Reese, who was the OC last year. You bring, he that was, was the DC. So, there's a ton of continuity. The entire O line returns. Who you have, you know, preseason Remington Award uh, finalist, uh, mm-hmm. best center in the nation, probably Jarrett Patterson, Michael Mayer, people call him Baby Cronk. Um, they picked up Brandon Joseph <laughs> in the portal, who was mm-hmm. an All American safety at Northwestern. So um, steps in for Kyle Hamilton right away. Yeah. By the way, he looks weirdly very similar to Kyle Hamilton. I don't know if you've seen a picture of him. I mean, um, Hamilton might just come back to improve his draft stock after that, like plummeted after the season. Right. Um, the only thing that makes it a little bit weird, I think, is they so they lose their QB, so they're replacing one. Their projected starter missed the entire spring with an ankle injury. So that seems a little disconcerting if this is your first game. But anyways. I mean, they're not going to beat Ohio State. Ohio State lost to Oregon last year at home. Yeah. Now okay. that was because their that. their defense sucked last year. You they, yeah, I mean, awful. Oregon went up and down the field on them. Um, Everyone did. They they were like you were. They gave up like what was it? What was the number they gave up like against Michigan State? It was like gaudy against a like a not a great offense either. Oh, against Michigan State. Yeah, hold on, I'll look yeah. it up. And Michigan destroyed them. Yeah, that is true. So they gave up. Um, Oh my God! So this is this is oh this is hold on this is 2019. Um, this is from last season. They gave up over 400 yards to uh, oh never mind Michigan State. They gave up 224. I was way off. What was I thinking of? Like they, Michigan, they gave up almost 300 yards rushing, which is I mean, and they gave up almost 500 yards total. Like like they gave up 500 yards to Oregon and to Tulsa in back to back weeks, and they're really I mean. They held Indiana under 200, but everything else is over three near 400. Like that is that is not like most Ohio State defense we've seen. So Trevor, I think he's talking about Ohio State, but I I don't see it anywhere where they're number one. Um, but Trevor Garza wrote in. He said they're number one now, but how many SEC teams do you think they finished behind? Um, I, I think Ohio State is like. I think yeah, I don't I think, think probably m- at least maybe one, the one that they started behind would be my guess i not so again like i think that like just after watching the spring practice and after seeing like some of these like rosters take shape i i don't i just like the schedule especially like ohio state like who do you have like you have notre dame at the start you just bookend your season with two somewhat difficult like games against teams that you're superior in talent against and you also get them both of them at home I, georgia and and ohio state in the natty makes the most sense in terms of like, like a manageable schedule and being able to get there like unscathed. Yeah. Uh, Trevor wrote in, he said, he's talking about the recruiting class. They're number one. Yeah. That, okay. So uh, Notre Dame. Um, yeah. Oh no. I mean, they'll be behind Alabama, Georgia, Texas, A&M. Yeah. At the very least. Um, but recruiting so weird. Uh, like, yeah. I don't trust anything now. I just saw right before we signed on today, Louisville got, uh, I think, like the number one running back in the country for next year or top two. And he's like a top 15 player overall. They have a five-star wide receiver committed 
and uh, like the top quarterback they've got since uh, like the Purdue coach. Brian Brom. Brom. Like, yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, you think that Louisville's going to sign all these guys? By the time it gets down to it, there's no chance. So I just, it's so hard to keep up with now, too. I just, I don't, like, I'll tell you what, <coughs> Graham, Graham Coffee, Dog Out West, like one of my best friends, love him to death. He gets really into recruiting. And like, you, you have to be like cut from a different cloth to be able to stay focused on that shit for that long, especially with how much people like change their minds. Yeah. He made a comment the other day. And it was like, I think that Georgia got a five-star DB out of Alabama this week. And I think yes. there was like one of the Georgia responses was like, you don't think that game in Indianapolis this January meant something? You don't think that mattered on the recruiting trail? And it was like, honestly, yeah, I thought like winning a fucking national championship probably did matter in, in recruiting just a little bit. I yeah. mean, I, but also in the same sense, Georgia's like one of the few teams, I don't feel like they lost anybody like going late into the season with like, what do you call it? Decommitments and stuff. Well, when you're committed to the to the game, uh, as Georgia and Alabama and A and M are, um, it's hard to to lose recruits, honestly. Unless you're probably losing it to one of the other two. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think Ohio State probably just given that year two of Stroud, they return a ton of talent. Oof. What yeah. did, you, did you know the line on that? Did you see that? Fourteen and 14? a half. Fourteen and a half. Yeah. Yeah, that that hook is going to be an issue. <laughs> we got a lot of other good games to talk about, though. Yeah. Uh, so keeping it uh, in the SEC for uh, the rest of them, really. Um, that same day, you've got Utah at Florida, which is a really intriguing matchup. Um, yeah. I, I don't. Is that like a home and home? Like, is, does Florida go out to Utah next year? No, they don't. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because they actually signed up for their first home and home against Colorado in 2029 and 2030. And that will be the first time they play a actual non-conference game, like at a true away game since 1991. Yeah, that's really insane. How does that happen? <laughs> like, how does that happen? Um, like, they don't even leave the state. They don't even leave the fucking state. Unless it's that's- like... In a domed week one game. I mean, ugh, anyway, um, Utah's only a four-point favorite, and they're a dark horse for a lot of people to not only win the Pac-12, but also potentially make the playoff. Um, am I missing something with Florida? Like, are they supposed to be good? With a, a- I So I, was, I took a look at this. They're not returning. First of all, they weren't really that talented anyways, but right. they're not returning a ton of what, talented wide receiver or running back. Um, they're implementing a new defense, 3-3-5. The depth oh, along the, the line is concerning. Gervin Dexter is a beast, but they have basically nothing behind him. Right. Um, I guess because of the offense that Florida runs and Billy Napier runs, Anthony oh, Richardson, shit. you know, people, they say he's like a perfect fit. Yeah. Um, uh, Larry here from YouTube says that uh, Florida goes to Utah on 23. Thank you, Larry. Larry wins a prize. I appreciate that. I, um, I have an article pulled up right here from CBS, but it was for, oh, it's for 2019. Okay, I probably could have done a better job with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then conversely, obviously Utah uh, won the Pac-12 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they returned their QB Cameron Rising, who was the first team All Conference for the Pac-12, despite you know not starting till the fourth game or after the fourth game. Um, They've got a running back, Tavian Thomas, who rushed for 1,100 yards and 21 touchdowns last year. Um, they got a veteran O-line. Obviously, you know, coming out from Utah, going down into the swamp in early September, not going to be nearly the same conditions they're used to playing in. So I could see that honestly being – How do you even practice for that, honestly? I, I mean, I don't know. Like, go, I guess, cut off the heat in like an abandoned Costco for a few months and then just – let it bake. I mean, Florida is like, it is a different level of humidity. Also think about Florida is like, you're right on top. Like the fans are right on top of you and it'll be, you know, it's the opening week. So people like they haven't had like all their hopes and dreams um, broken yet. So the four point line was really surprising because actually it's down to two now. Like I understand like the, like it being a very difficult environment to play in. I understand like traveling across the country, all that kind of shit. But like, like the trajectory of the, where these two teams are projected going into this season, it, it, that part doesn't add up. But I will also say there's not a bet. There's not a quarterback with a 
like a higher ceiling, like that, like just more of an unknown, but like more potential and a higher ceiling, maybe not a player in the country, like that has the same ability as Anthony Richardson. I mean, we've seen very limited, limited action from him. Um, the two games that he was like actually got extended playing time in, not great. Georgia and right. LSU. Right. Um, but still like projected to be like potentially a top 10 pick. Like everyone that's seen him play knows like the skills are there, right? I, I don't know what's around him. Brenton Cox is going into his 17th year as a senior finally. Um, I, but it's, it's year one. Like under, Napier, I think is going to be a good coach, but like they were really bad last year. And, and like that team that went to the, the Cotton Bowl, went to a New Year's Six game the year before, they were a four-loss team then. So I'm just right. like I, I'm missing something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it, but it's always with with gambling and with with Vegas. It's just if we're missing something and it feels so obvious, I would feel good as a Florida fan. I don't know for some reason. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, obviously Utah lost Devin Lloyd, first round running back, but they replaced him weirdly enough with Mohamed Diabate or whatever. I don't, I don't know how to say his last name. Diabate from Florida played at Florida last mm-hmm. year. He's playing at Utah now, randomly. So um, that's that'll be an interesting game, though. That'll be a that'll be a very good early test for Florida because you get it at home, yeah. but you're playing a competitive team. But it's from the Pac-12, so it's like, hey, you, you feel like you should win a game like that. Be a good little test early. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, like I think SEC fans are always going to feel like they should beat Pac-12 teams, but like Utah's built differently than a lot of other Pac-12 teams. Like they are just like a like much more of like a like grind grind it out like physical hard nose like i mean and they do they do have a really really good quarterback we saw how much you know how explosive the offense was in the rose bowl but like i i don't know i, I think outside of Cristobal and what he did at oregon like you talked about like in the trenches i don't think there's a more similar like sec style team in the pac-12 than utah yeah no that's a good point yeah kyle winningham's done a great job uh, apparently People think it may be their best offense since uh, 2004, that Urban Meyer team. Larry Pilgrim so, is the MVP of this entire broadcast, by the way. Just, I mean, throwing out all sorts, like just nothing but facts right now. Larry says, I live in Florida in 7 p.m. Early September is actually not bad. Richardson will have success. As Utah will have two new linebackers and a new DN, which will help him in running. Fair. It's uh, a fair point. I love yeah. the feedback here. Uh, just so you sure. guys remember, if you're tuning in on Facebook, you can comment and we'll see the comments come in live. Uh, if it's a good comment, we'll post it here for everybody to see. If it sucks, eh, probably it not going to do it. Uh, all right. Keeping with the same day, uh, September 3rd, Cincinnati. This is an interesting game, by the way. Um, yeah. Cincinnati at Arkansas. Obviously, last year, Cincinnati... Um, this is their last year. So last year they made it to the playoff and they kind of fizzled out as one thought they might. Um, this will be their last year in the AAC. They moved to the right. Big 12 after this season. Um, they lost a ton of talent off the team last year. Um, they had the second most draft picks out of any yeah. team in the country. Yeah, they had nine people drafted, including Desmond Ritter. Uh, so they're going to have to replace quarterback. Now they've got two guys. Evan Prater and Ben Bryant that are battling for the job. Prater's the highest ranked recruit in program history. So actually a pretty good recruit there. Right. Interesting story on Ben Bryant. He started out at Cincinnati. He transferred to Eastern Michigan last year, started all 13 games, threw for 3,000 yards, 14 touchdowns, and then transferred back to Cincinnati. Um, so pretty interesting. Uh, right. So they're battling it out still. There has not been – that'll go through the fall. Um, Corey Kiner, who uh, LSU fans may have heard of, he yeah. uh, played at LSU. He transferred in to Cincinnati, so he'll be familiar with Arkansas. Um, but they averaged 175 yards on the ground last year, so that's a lot to, to make up for this year. Right. Um, they lost Jerome Ford, who ran for 1,300 yards and 19 touchdowns to the NFL. Obviously, you lose the two corners, one with an awesome name, Kobe Bryant. Um, and then an even better name, Sauce Gardner, who ended up being right. a top five pick. Um, but, you know, you've got to face this K.J. Jefferson-led offense at Arkansas. Um, 
What do you think here? I mean, you got you, Arkansas is rebuilding the defense a little bit. Um, the depth in the back end, I think, is good, but up front, a uh, little bit of an issue. And uh, obviously, you got to replace Traylon Burks. You, get, you bring Jaden Hazelwood in from Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, hey, you know he was a he was the top receiver coming out. I think in his recruiting year, I don't really yeah, was, re- ever remember him doing year. that much at Oklahoma. No, because Marvin Mims came in and, and kind of like stole the shine like right away. Um, I really, I mean, so like it's Arkansas. First off, whoever is doing this to Sam Pittman with the scheduling needs to fucking stop because it is brutal year in year out, and not just with like with like their SEC games. Like you know, they had to play Georgia last year and the year before in their crossover game. This year, not only are they playing Cincy, but they're also playing BYU, um, which BYU is like they return a ton of talents. Um, it should be really good. I think I'm pretty sure it's at BYU as well. Um, where are we at here? It is, yeah, at BYU. So uh, Arkansas schedule, it's it's tough every year, but this year especially. Like, I feel like this is one of those games, like when you're looking at managing a, a schedule as a whole and trying to get to like the postseason because one of the – this is going to sound weird, but like one of the downsides of all the success Pippen's had like so early – is that it's going to be hard to get back to seven wins again. Like, even with the talent they have coming back, they, they got two former five stars in the transfer portal. Um, I just, like, this is, this is their stretch right here. They play Texas A&M, Bama, at Mississippi State, at BYU, at Auburn. That's a five-week stretch. Gosh. I don't know how many wins you're going to get in there. Like possibly Mississippi State, like but Mississippi State's one of the deepest and, and like like I think one of the highest returning productions and and starters of any team in the country. This is like a must win game, and they should win, but they're only a seven point favorite. But like I feel like this is what Pittman hasn't lost any games he wasn't supposed to lose, right? That's like one of the reasons he's like been so popular, just flat out because Chad Morris did that every single fucking week. You you have to win this game because it gets the schedule gets really really tough after this. Yeah, I I pers- What's the line on this game? Uh, seven. Yeah, I mean, I just personally think it's such a the fact that Arkansas is at home and they're bringing back KJ Jefferson. I think look, Traylon Burks is going to be easy to replace by any means, but you've got some pretty good receivers on the outside. Yeah, um, Trey Knox is a tight end now. I guess he's huge. He put on like twenty or thirty pounds. Yeah, so you've got like, just uh, like different... me, but like it looks better on him, <laughs> right? Um, so, anyways, I just think that uh, I, I think Arkansas has probably got too much going for him in this game, and I think is it really that easy for a G five team like like Cincinnati to rebuild off of losing nine yeah. players to the NFL? I just I don't know. So I think I mean, that could I end up being so. I, to me out of the ones we've talked about so far, I'd feel the most confidence in be- betting Arkansas here. Well, Arkansas is also 16 and six uh, against the spread under Sam Pittman, which is far and away the best record in the SEC and I think actually the country as well. Um, all right, keep it going. There's like there's still several games you haven't even mentioned that I have in my notebook. All right, well let's go down uh, the very next day on Sunday, nine four uh, in New Orleans, Florida State and LSU. Um, so this is me versus producer Dan here. Um, obviously, LSU's got the new coach Brian Kelly. Um, it seems like from everything I've seen, they've already announced that Miles Brennan's going to be the starter for this year, um, which was weird because they just brought Jaden Daniels in late in the transfer portal process. But um, I haven't seen that, but that's who I would expect to start. Um, yeah, and maybe they're just saying, you know, he's the guy right now just because he's, look, they probably don't want him transferring out um, when they bring in Jaden Daniels. But either way, um, yeah. they, they needed a backup. They needed a solid backup. I'm sure that's not why Jaden Daniels transferred, but – Either way, uh, probably sure Miles Brennan. Fall camp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they bring back Keishon Butte uh, back from injury. You got John Emery coming back from his academic uh, ineligibility. So um, I think the biggest thing for them, um, they still have a lot of talent, man. They just mm-hmm. like they just lost their way over the last few years. And, they, and they, they've got talent and athleticism, and it hasn't come together yet for a lot of these guys. But um, I think one area that they're going to get tested quick although Florida State doesn't have the best of uh, defensive ends as as their O-line. looks like they're starting a true freshman at left tackle this year. Um, right. Now, I will say he was the number one tackle, I think, in the country or, or up there. He was a five-star, uh, but that's Will Campbell. Um, mm-hmm. Florida State, 
obviously last year didn't even make a bowl. So they're just trying to rebuild their program back. Now I will say it was a, a tale of two seasons last year for Florida State. They started 0-4 and, and one of those four was Jacksonville State, which is an FCS yeah, school. Um, not the Jaguars. Right, right, exactly. Um, actually, not even in Florida, in Alabama. So Also true, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, from there, they, they kind of turned the season around for them. They, their their right. losses, they went five and three down the stretch, but they lost to uh, Clemson, Florida, which isn't a good loss. Um, and who else did they lose to? Doesn't matter. It was another good school. Um, NC State. Least, Wake. NC State. It was NC State. Um, so those three teams are, I think NC state is probably going to be a top 15 team this year, at least. That's a, another, uh, team that a lot of people have like as a potential dark horse to win the, or to get to the playoff. Yeah. Um, but you know, they, they had the upset win of Miami. They, they had the upset win of UNC last year. So when Jordan Travis, the quarterback is healthy, they're a much better team. He, if he would have been healthy in the Florida game, they probably won that game. Um, you know, Clemson, we lost basically by three. I mean, they had the right. cheap touchdown at the end, which was ridiculous for betters. But, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that was a game for most of the game. So I think Florida is slowly getting there. This is going to be obviously a, a huge test. It's in New Orleans. I think Florida State fans will travel, but I, I expect at least 60-40, if not 70-30 LSU fans. Oh, um, more than that, yeah. Yeah. Jermaine Johnson is a huge loss for Florida State on defense. They just don't have a lot of depth of talent, but since it's the first right. game, I'm not as worried there. Uh, they brought in a ton. Uh, their best running back is probably going to be the transfer from Oregon. Their three best receivers will probably all be transfers. Um, <laughs> now, one of them, unfortunately, got in a car wreck and probably won't play in this game. He'll probably be available in, in later in the season. But right. to me, this is like desperation time for Mike Norvell. You have a bad year this year. You're probably – you might not get fired, but you're going to be on the hot seat next year going into 2023. So I think he's feeling the pressure. He's got to win this game. It's a short yeah. spread. I think LSU is only like a four-point favorite. Four and a half. It, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting game because, like, Florida State has one of the, like, in terms of like a roster, like in, in returning production, right? We've been, like, referencing it, like, the entire show. They are 11th overall, right? And they are second, actually, in returning defensive production. Um they were close. Like they, it feels like they've been close a lot of times. Um, and Norvell, like, I mean, like you talk about the Notre Dame game to start the year, right? Yeah. Like, so, and Larry Pilgrim can get another very good point um, about <laughs> Will Anderson getting shut down against a No. So like, like there was, there was, I mean, I remember you saying like that after that game is like, we got the right guy, you know, it was a tough loss, but I know we got the right guy. And the following week, they lost to Jacksonville state then they were able to come back and like have this like, you know, incredible win against Miami. Um, It's amazing that like, if I would have told you when you were in high school that like you were going to reference, Oh yeah. Florida state lost, but it was to a good team. It was NC state and wake. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that is ridiculous. I mean, I'm be, I'm past the, the the depression phase. I've just accepted it. which was the worst phase to be in. Well, I mean, depression is pretty tough too. You're (laughs) not in the delusion phase, which is good. It's not great. but I think they're in a good spot in terms of the fact that you do have a lot of like continuity returning. You have a lot of production returning. You're going to LSU who's got a first year coach, which Brian Kelly is a very good coach. It's going to be interesting to see how that those two things mesh. Like Brian Kelly, like this angry red faced, he killed a guy. I mean, people, true. Forget. people don't, people don't talk about it enough because he's such a good dancer. So we just, you know, we kind of sweep it under the rug. Um, but like, this is a game that I think all LSU fans like especially leading up to will tell you that they expect to win and, and would be shocked if they lost to, like, especially with like how laughable a Florida state's program has kind of become. Right. Yeah. It, the fact that the line's only four and a half and you're in LSU's backyard, I think that says a lot. Um, I, I mean, it's a really good spot. I think for Florida state. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think if Florida State can win this game, it, it's big for them. And it's a perfect game because LSU is a huge name in in name, right. right? Like you beat LSU, that's a good win. You go on the road, you beat an SEC team. That's a really big, especially one like LSU. Right. That's big. Also, LSU isn't LSU of a couple years ago, right? Not even close. No. Now, they will 
get I think Kelly will do a good job with that program, but this is year one. They're they're relying on transfers, uh, especially on the O line to kind of get them through so he can get his players in. So you're catching them at the right time. Right. And as far as Norvell, there's the, you know, this is where I think this is the first year where the excuses are, you're done with them. Now you can't blame right. COVID anymore. You know, you failed to bring in some top level recruits. So I, I think this is big. I, I think Norvell is a good coach. I don't think he's the best of recruiters. And so ultimately he's going to have to win to, to help him on the recruiting trail. And if he doesn't, he's done. So I think it's a big, uh, big game for him. And I, I think that's going to be one of the more intriguing ones of the weekend and it's national prime time game on a sunday night right before labor day so yeah um all right what other games i know because i know we want to talk bama texas the next week did you have any more the first week we really think, i mean we're gonna we're gonna get into bama texas like, like it's i think in terms of impact it has like it it could potentially have a bigger impact than any of these other games just because i think texas is gonna be i know people like laugh at or laugh about it every time it's said but like i do think they're gonna be really really good this year like or like at least really improved and which may not be saying much because they were five and seven in year one under Sark, but like just the amount of offensive talent that they're bringing into the skill positions, I don't see. And you also kind of like shore up like the problems of the offensive line with two five stars. If you give Sark that much talent, I don't see how he fails because he's ne- it's never happened before. Right. Right. I mean, like, so I think that Bama is going to be offensively they should be fine the offensive line is a nightmare i you know i don't know like this should be the best defense they've had since probably 2016 um return a lot of talent in the secondary all that kind of stuff i just think that texas is going to be an offense that's going to be able to put up like 45 plus points a game and, and maybe like lead the country in that aspect five stars everywhere right um and bama has been really bad on the road and people don't really bring that up for some reason but like you had a two-point win against florida you lost to AM. You should have lost to Auburn. You had a two point win in four overtimes in that game against a team that was five and or six and seven. They've looked really bad at times on the road. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like there's another one in there too, but uh, they've struggled over the past like little while, I, I feel like, and, and it's kind of gone, you know, flown under the radar. But um, just a really big opportunity for Stark and, and for Texas in that game. The other games that I had. I was going to say real quick before we move on. Um, I feel like the Quinn Ewers stuff gets like no talk because it happens so yeah. early in the process. And um, at the same time too, like Caleb Williams came along and he, you know, he kind of stole some buzz as far as quarterbacks and the Jordan Addison thing happened. But like Quinn Ewers was supposed to be like a generational QB that came out. The last highest year. ranked recruit in the history of recruiting. Right. I, I mean, so like that, that is like the, the top. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, you have five stars all around them too. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that like, I, and I've been wrong before and I know the entire state of Texas as and Sam Ellinger have been wrong as well, but like, I think they are going to be really good this year. Um, the other ones, and this is like that games of the second weekend, right? The three other ones that I wrote down, Arkansas at BYU, which I'm not going to get into because I, I just, I watched a, a documentary about Mormons this past week and I'm not over that emotionally. Um, and then uh, oh, Trevor Garza, Garza, A&M fan, is not not buying into the Texas hype. Um, yeah. But the other two, so and uh, like again, like surprised you didn't you didn't bring this up because I think that they are really really big opportunities for teams that are like given no shot going into these games. Miami going to Texas A&M, and then Auburn playing at home against Penn State. I don't know why, like. Everything that happened in the offseason, I know they lost their last five games. They blew a double-digit lead in like four of the last of their final five games. They ended the season horribly. I, everything that happened in the offseason wasn't Brian Harson's fault. Like he didn't do any of the shit that the boosters like said he did. Like, yeah, that's an was, insane thing, by the way, to just make up. And then they just they're just going back to normal. Like it's like everything's fine. They let him play fucking paintball with the kids, which seems pretty dangerous if he's like being like berating kids in the locker room. But like all of these things that like I mean that's a weird you know that those boosters are like they lack the self-awareness to be like, you know what, maybe we should take a step back. You know they're gotta be around them the whole time. Um <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um the no, comments, I mean, like, so, comment section going ham. Every year that Auburn is supposed to be down, and this is this is more of just like I don't know if it's like a like a coincidental or a luck thing. Every year they're supposed to be down, they're not. And and I know they lost, they lost both coordinators, they lost a lot of talent. 
you return maybe the best running back in the conference, maybe the country with Tank Bigsby. Um, so you have a blueprint of like for success on offense there, right? Harson like was a really good coach at Boise State, and and like we had Cole Kublik on here like last year, and and he said it like voiced the same thing. A lot of people that are close to the program said the way he approaches like building his program, coaching his team, like all that is very very detail oriented. It's the closest thing to saving as anyone else, not from like a production standpoint, the wins and losses, but like the way he goes about his day and like, his job. It's very similar to Saban. I think like I think Auburn's win total is like five and a half or six and a half. Some people are saying they're going to finish last in the division. I don't see that happening at all. Um, Penn State's going to come down to to Auburn. It's going to be the third week of the season in September. It's going to be hot as shit. Um, Penn State, like over the past, like from 2016 to 2019, they were 42 and 11 as a program. Since then, they're 11 and 11, including yeah, exactly. They're 0 and 8 in the last That's two years State? against, yeah, 11 and 11. Um, and James Franklin are, like constantly like talked about as like the next. I, he is he is just fucking he is like ethnic Jimbo Fisher. Every time he's got his back against the wall and like he should be fired, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave unless you give me a raise. Somebody else if they give me a raise. I'm like who? <laughs> Show us. You don't need to see it. You don't need to see it. Um, <laughs> they are. It, it's it's two peas in a pod. But like so, on the road in the in the last two seasons, they are four and six, right? They've been pretty bad on the road away from home, and they're zero and eight against ranked teams. I know Auburn's not ranked as of right now, but I would throw them in that category in terms of like that's a very difficult situation to travel right. all this way. I mean, like think about how bad Auburn supposedly was last year, and they had to go to Happy Valley. Like no one gave them a shot at all, and like you know they were they were in that game late until whoever the fucking offensive coordinator was that decided to throw a fade pass or a fade route with Bo Nix at quarterback. Not your best move. Pretty sure that um, guy's not there anymore. No, he's not. But, like, and the last thing is, too, Penn State, you talk about, like, their offense. They were 90th in the country last year in scoring offense. They were 118th in rushing offense. So, if, like, I don't remember hearing anything about, like, Penn State's, like, incredible passing offense with Sean Clifford. And they lost their best offensive player of the draft as a first-round uh, picket receiver. They were 67th in, in the country in run defense, which isn't like terrible, but it's just very middle of the road. I, I just, I don't, I don't see James Franklin. If there's anything James Franklin does, it's fucking say the F word and under underwhelm and underachieve. He's a lot like me. I just, <laughs> I, I mean, I just don't see him. And like, think about the fucking chip on the shoulder that Harson has to have right now. <laughs> that was kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie. Um, uh okay yeah no that that's a good point that's that's gonna that is gonna be a good game if it's not you know two highly ranked teams but it's still gonna be a great game um favorite in that game what's the line it's auburn uh favorite they're they're a one-point favorite also miami by the way like so this is this is like seamless transition which i didn't mean to do miami going to a&m in week three i don't expect miami to win that game they're seven and a half point underdog it's year one and under Cristobal, but Cristobal, I feel like, is a really good coach, and we've seen him turn things around very quickly, like at Oregon, mm-hmm. and not just like turn around and have like a flash in the pan success, like build a program and like build like the type of team that has sustainable success, right? Mm-hmm. Um, going to A and M, the the reason why I think like like A and M fans and and Trevor can vouch for this, very confident this offseason. very confident, and I think that you know, a lot of that's warranted because of the recruiting class and they beat Bama last year. They also lost four games. Right. They lost on Kip's birthday weekend, which is, I, I don't think he's gotten over. Yep. That. I know I haven't. Um, Miami going to A&M with Tyler Van Dyke is one of the best country or uh, quarterbacks in the country. I mean, that kid, like it, yeah, ended the season with, he's... not only did he have like six straight games with over 300 yards passing, he was like a 20 to, 20 to three touchdown to interception ratio. And he beat two ranked teams in the process. The only loss he had was against y'all, and it was like a twenty-eight point comeback. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they were leading at the end until we came back. Yeah, that was crazy. Right. He's good. So He's un- really good. Un- under Fisher, they they did a really good job of getting up for the Bama game, right? They've they've overlooked a lot of teams they played, right? Like Mississippi State last year, a game that they, nobody thought they would lose. Their, their schedule after they play Miami, right? Like they open up with like like two shit teams. But after they play Miami, their schedule is 
Arkansas, in Dallas, at Mississippi State, at Bama, in a, in, without a break. So three weeks, like all on the road. I and you know that like the Bama thing is going to be a constant, constant like talk and chatter all off season and into the early parts of the season because nobody thinks they're going to lose this game. Miami's a top fifteen school or top fifteen team going into the season. Do you see this uh, another fantastic Larry Pilgrim? What's that? Crystal ball one and three against Utah. <laughs> we got we got a Utah fan out here. We Larry hit us up after this. We, we're going to get you some sort of prize. Like we get, I guess we could make Utah stickers. Um, <laughs> you're you've been great, man. You're the best. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the interaction, guys. Um, yeah. We've we're going to do a better job of of getting this stream promoted earlier so more people will join. But um, like you say we, you're just saying it about me. What did I do? You didn't do anything. Okay. We we that, both. That was a problem. We both will. And once we start doing it every week, people get used to it. And, you know, yeah. it'll be appointment viewing. Um, yeah, I guess we should start posting that Facebook group again. That was tough to get a word in there nowadays. I don't know. Um, so I appreciate the love, Larry. He says, great show. Thanks, um, sir. Yeah, man, well, shit, we'll go. we've done an hour here on on the first week of uh, college football. It's It's much easier when we actually have football content to just get some stream of conscious going. Rather yeah. than to, you know, try to know about Notre Dame baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just all Notre Dame baseball fans now, forever. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's true. Um, final, uh, final quote here from the crowd. This is pretty funny from Treasure Trevor. Don't worry, Chris. We aren't allowing ankle monitors into the stadium, so Miami skill players will be unavailable for the game. So that's because they're all used as best friend bracelets with all the boys. Well, By the way, do you see they're out in, the, in Omaha right now? And I, I just have to show you the video of like, I guess he's a former yell leader. He like ran down like the aisles, like to the front, the very front row, like in front of the dugout to lead a cheer. And in the process, I don't know if this is normal or if he just did it to like add some flair, but he like did one of these in the middle of it before he did the finger guns. I mean, we got to get on that shit, dude. That is, I know we're both like booed up right now, but like if we ever get single again, we got to fucking learn how to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, talk about attracting women. <laughs> Nothing gets women faster than finger guns, all beige outfits, <laughs> crew cuts, and, and lashing out irrationally at Nick Saban. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, this has been a good episode. Um, for you guys that are in the comments, we appreciate you being here. Go tell your friends, 8.30 to 8.45 on Mondays um, through the offseason. And then, of course, when the football season get kicked, gets kicked off, we are going two times a week. Um, as you guys know, we'll get the the call line back going as well, potentially. Um, potentially. We'll see. It never went down. No, that's true. It's still up there. We got to go check to see how many psychotic voicemails we've gotten from from our my dad deepest and one guy from planet fitness <laughs> yeah. um so uh we appreciate you guys tuning in and um being the first people to kind of start watching us on youtube and facebook we're going to be doing this every week uh thanks as always for those who are listening on the podcast versions go go give us a, a five star go unsubscribe from our podcast resubscribe and then give us a five star review so we can be at the very top of the charts that would be pretty badass just yes. don't forget to resubscribe, though. Yeah. So two things real quick. I am, I don't want to get political, but did you see Biden fall off that bike? I can't. It, I just... <laughs> I voted for him, but I don't know which which was worse. Like, him falling off that bike or whoever was like, hey, Joe, get on a bike. <laughs> like, I, oh, man. Um, anyway, that's, the, that's all we're going to say on that. It was just very funny. Anyway. <laughs> Serious, serious time here. Um, so we always talk about like the five star reviews and all that kind of shit, and like joke around about um, make sure you, you know, subscribe, or whatever, like to the YouTube channel. That is legitimately how I keep my job. And so um, <laughs> go to YouTube. We're gonna be we're gonna be putting out a lot more video content. And the other thing is we always do like the sticker giveaway in the off season. We're gonna do that again. We have a budget this year, which is like new. Like yeah, it is new. Um, no. And Tyler's gonna be in charge of it because we all know how good I am <laughs> with money. So, um, well, I mean, yeah, I just, I volunteered you. If you okay. want me to turn, like, I, I think, I mean, if you want to give it to me, I can turn it into 70% less, <laughs> whatever it was in days. We should go by anyway, Bitcoin. Yeah. So 
um, we're going to do some giveaways. We're going to do some stuff like just like audience related engagement, like trying to plan a, a potential meetup, maybe like a tailgate. Georgia, Florida has been thrown out there. A lot of different stuff, uh, Texas uh, and, and Bama has been thrown out there. So we have like actual money to do stuff that y'all want to do. And and like I I get tired of the stickers, so there's got to be other options. Like what do we want, koozies? Y'all throw out whatever ideas and just go leave a five-star review or subscribe to the YouTube channel. And I will send you a sticker probably within two to three years. <laughs> go give us a follow on social media as well. Twitter's at CFB underscore uncensored. We have an Instagram as well that we haven't started using yet. Probably start doing that in the maybe the regular season. Maybe never. I don't know. But we posted one thing on there. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we'd love to do merch as well. So we'll see uh what we get into this fall but we really appreciate you guys hey off season's almost over we're about to be in fall in uh fall camp here in, in like what a month and a half it's gonna be awesome two months 68 days 69 days. 69 days um so appreciate you guys thanks for tuning in we'll see you guys next week